welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast with me, Steph Verben. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. This episode, I'm joined by Dan Bratcher, a UEFA B qualified coach currently working with Cambridge City ladies and girls in tier four of the Women's Football League in England. I caught up with Dan to talk about his commitment to learning and development, the role of reflection, and his battle with testicular cancer. First, he told me more about his coaching journey. I came through as a, an academy footballer, in and out of academies. Um, and then at 14, when my, my dad passed away unexpectedly, I kind of lost interest in football. Um, so it was kind of, I kept on doing it through a, through a social aspect, knowing that if I didn't do it, I'd probably be sat at home um, dwelling on on life, I, I guess. Um, and it was kind of just just plugging along, doing what I doing what I can to get by with the football and doing my academics along the side. Um, and it was probably got to about twenty when I was playing semi professionally, not at the best level. Um, and I probably made that that sensible decision to go. You know what? I'm not going to make it. Um, what's the next best thing and the next best thing was was coaching football um, so I started off with with grassroots youth football um, with an under sixes through to like under nines I want to say um, and it was just drop-in sessions on a Saturday morning turn up pay I think it was like two pound for them to pay and it went towards the the village hall or or something like that and me and a couple of my friends did it as part of our our football team's um, community program and that's where it started. And that was probably 10 years or so ago. Um, and through that, the chairman of the club was was uh, keen to get his coach qualifications. Um, so I did my level one just to just to have that and just in case any parents asked, so from the safeguarding perspective. Um, so still, at, even at that point, I probably wasn't as interested um, in coaching because I was still very much just playing football, enjoying the enjoying the football but also just just working like anyone else at 2021 who kind of just wanted to get on um and then I've, I've ventured over to America spent a couple of years out there coaching um and I was very lucky to to find myself with a, a club in Ohio called Setter Soccer Club and they were on par with some of the best academies in England um the facilities were fantastic and that kind of lit the fire for me um wanting to coach full-time and professionally and it was from that point I started doing my American licenses didn't get very far because by the time I'd gotten to my D license which was the equivalent of the level two or the old level two here um I'd made the decision to come back home so I've still got a, a D license floating around in America half half finished um so yeah, I came back to came back to England and slowly drip fed myself into into the community in terms of getting in with different teams, whether it was adult football, uh, youth football, and then over the last few years, I've got myself into into women's football, um, which is something that was started in America. So I was coaching a girls' team in America, or well, one of my teams in America was a girls' team, and to say I enjoyed that more than coaching the boys or coaching the the men it, it was an understatement the the girls and the women they just 
it it always felt to me that they were there to learn and they wanted to wanted to to develop and once the for some reason especially when i when i was in america i felt that once i got to a certain age it was kind of they were just turning up knowing that they they knew more than you um so it kind of put me off coaching that side um and i've probably i guess felt the same when i've coached here with boys and men's teams you kind of expect that they're going to turn up and have a bit of an attitude with you um and i've ever since i've been involved in the women's game over the last two years i've just had that different different feeling when i get turn up to training it's that feeling of being wanted to be there uh, if that makes sense it's it almost feels like you you're coaching um it's it's needed or wanted rather than you're just turning up just to make sure some people can play a game of football which is what it almost came to the point of when I was in the in the men's game it's kind of just you're just turning up you're giving up your time and then all they want to do is play a game and not listen so yeah it's kind of got to the point where I'm with Cambridge City in tier four and the ladies are fantastic the facilities we've got are fantastic and it's uh it's been a it's been a long way to get here and I've gone certainly around the houses but I've been I've enjoyed the journey I guess. We're going to touch on so much within that but I just wanted to ask it at the start of that you mentioned your dad passing away and I was kind of thinking us as coaches we actually don't know what's going on there's so much going on with these kids that we're working with all these people that we're working with do you think it's just important that we recognize that we're holding spaces as an outlet or a safe place for people to go when they're struggling with things yeah it's uh it's certainly something you have to step back and remind yourself from time to time um even as recent as last week in one of my sessions um obviously we have girls that are 16 through to the first team where there's players that are in their 30s so you're covering a vast 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 group of ages um when you have your first under 23s and your development team and you forget that every single person especially the younger ones that are going through the transitions from year 11 into sixth form um and the 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 bodies are developing young women it's there's a lot going on and obviously you've got all your um social experiences whatever happens outside of school and football and what's the home life like and you do forget sometimes and if if someone's having a bit of a bit of a wobble at a session um you can't take it personally because there might be more to it and it's it doesn't happen often but sometimes you need to step back and go wait a minute they're not doing it on purpose um there's there's something a bit more that needs to be to be delved and looked into um so yeah the football side to it is a massive massive um way to get out feelings and anger and or even happiness it, it depends on which scale you're looking at but um coaches do need to be aware of everything that's that's going on away from football and of course we have to see, need to check in and make sure that they're aware that they can share and if they need to they can they can touch base with you if that's if if they're comfortable with doing that I wanted to ask you as well because I know part of your journey has included a battle with testicular cancer and you've got a brilliant blog that I would really recommend to people um a real kick in the dot 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 um 
tell us a bit more, I suppose, about your blog and why you're keen to share your story through that. Um, I, I guess for me, when I was diagnosed, um, you, I, it's hard to say. You don't really know what to say at the time. You don't know what to do with yourself. And for me to to get out any feelings that I had, I'm not much of a sharer. And my wife is the first one to tell me that I need to go for counselling. Um, and I always ignore it. I'm just like, I just laugh it off. I'm a happy-go-lucky type of person. And I guess for me, the blog was a way to share um, what I'm feeling or what I, I, I didn't want to do it on behalf of the, the testicular cancer community. But I felt like when I was going through it all, there wasn't a lot there to lean on. Um, so what does it feel like to go through chemotherapy, for example, or what happens during the surgeries or before and after the surgeries? And it was very much a, very much a dark cloud. So I thought if I could just jot down everything that was going on at the time in and around me, and hopefully when someone else goes through it, they can stumble across it and go, you know what, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Um, maybe I'm not a maybe I'm not a weirdo for feeling like that, or um, I've been experiencing these pains. Maybe maybe I'm not going out of my head if I think everything's related to this. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just a it was a way to vent without having to to vent or pay for for therapy or counselling, which I probably will do one day because um, I know it's you don't necessarily need to have mental health um, or suffering with mental health um, to necessarily go and get it. Um, so that is something that I'm thinking of doing soon. But for me, it was just a it was a it was a quick win of venting and wanting to to provide someone or at least one person if they ever do stumble across the blog just to help them out and give them a bit of clarity or a little bit of support along the way no I think you've done a really brilliant thing and yeah I would encourage people to go and go and look at the blog um I suppose throughout that time in your life as well what did football and coaching mean to you um when you were going through that I was um I don't want to say I was lucky, but I was I was lucky in the terms of when I was going through my surgeries and chemotherapy, I didn't have that many bad symptoms. I felt sick quite a lot. Um, but apart from that, I was able to work still. And at the time I was working in the office um, and obviously through COVID, I was able to work from home. So I was, I was working through home on the laptop and obviously football had been subsided due to covid so we were doing all of our sessions through the laptop um so all, all of our sessions with the with the boys at the time i was with boston united academy all our sessions were through zoom um whether we were doing fitness sessions or quizzes or chats with the parents about post-16 education um i was still able to do everything that i would do normally just maybe with a lot more tired uh, and a lot more fatigue um so I was quite lucky in that fact that I still had all those all those little bits of normal life to distract me um and then the fact that I could still fully immerse myself into um coaching I guess even though it was a it was looking a lot different to what it would normally um it was it was a massive distraction and it was something that I could still focus on and think right I'm gonna get to this um and whenever it's over I'll hopefully have this this and this done so 
yeah, it was it was nice to have a little bit of normality. You're making me think. I um, my therapist said to me on Friday, Steph, coaching. I mean, football seems like the friend that never leaves you. And I'm like, you're right, actually. It's it's there for you in, in times in your life when you kind of really need it as well, isn't it, sometimes? So. Yeah, um, that's that's a fantastic way to to put it. It's when you wake up every day, it's there. Um, whether you think about it or not, eventually during the day, something's going to lead you to think about coaching or playing or something even remotely related to it. It will It will get you there at some point during the day. And then for that moment, you totally forget about everything else. So yeah, 100%. So I wanted to ask you, because um, I've seen a lot on your Twitter about kind of your commitment to learning and to career progression and really throwing yourself into, I suppose, learning as much as you can about, about coaching. Um, first of all, why is doing that so important to you? Uh, I'd say it's because um, obviously you, you do you do all your courses and you get that um you always get those comments just because you've done your courses doesn't mean you're you're a great coach which which can be very true um so I think being able to back that up with other learning whether that's learning languages whether that's doing different courses through um through online universities um so, for example, I've started doing sign language myself uh, through the British Sign Language. And through my my current job, um, we go into primary schools, we go into some special schools. And one thing that hit home was that there was children that were were signing and I wasn't able to, to properly communicate with them. And it did strike a chord. And I was, I was thinking, well, what's the easiest thing you can do and it would be to learn to learn sign language um and that's something that would that would stay with me forever and even in adult football um or youth football at whatever level you're at whether it's elite or grassroots you're always going to come across maybe one person a season that that will be that will be deaf and you might need to sign with them um and in my head that was something that would break down a barrier um but apart from that like i said we're, we're doing the different courses reading books and um trying to immerse myself into into coaching different ideas different perspectives um whether it's football related or not i think building up a, a repertoire of information and knowledge um will it can only add to what you learn on your football courses or from coaching on the grass itself um, I think it all it all contributes, and the more the more uh, strings to the bow, I guess, um, the better you'll be, and that's that's how I look at it. And how do you go about? Because I suppose sometimes we go to courses, and then you know you move on and you do the next thing or whatever, or like you read a book and then the the next session comes along. How do you make sure that you're taking things away from your learning and like implementing them and, and building them into your practice so if it's well I suppose it's I, I try and apply the same method to courses to reading books I'm I'm a note maker um, and that's probably from when I was at school as well I found it impossible just to to revise without without writing and I'd normally write the whole book back out itself um, just because it went it went in easier in my head 
Um, so I'm still in very much like that now where I'll I'll make notes of, of what I'm reading or whether I'm on a course. I'll make notes even though the slides are there and you've got them in front of you. Um, I'll add my own my own twist on it, my own interpretation of what it means. Um, I'm trying at the time while it's there and it's fresh, trying to provide examples of how that fits in with my scenario or my situation. Um, so I think it's always great when you're on these courses um, to try and link it to what you're doing at the moment and trying to provide fresh live examples in your head um, to make it easier to when you do that transition from from learning to to putting it into putting into into action on the on the training field and for coaches that are maybe just starting out I remember starting out and just being like desperate to for advice and for tips and for resources and stuff but there is so much out there do you have any tips for people in kind of deciphering you know, like you could be a, a course every hour of the day, to be honest, if you wanted to be. But do, yeah, do you have tips for new coaches on deciphering what might, you know, what good might look like or the things they should invest their time in if they have to prioritise? I'd say as as it is very subjective um, and every single person's opinion matters these days, um, it would be a case of finding what interests you the most um deciding what you want to to do what path you want to go on and at that very at that very moment in time um what's most important to you um so you could have a hundred things that you want to look at and want to improve on but you need to focus on one at a time so choosing one one skill or one quality that you want to look at and then doing your research so twitter's an absolute minefield it can be filled with gold as well um and the same is on if you just go on google or netflix or amazon prime there's so many different um different platforms for you to just look into delve into and to to do your own research so for me at the moment it's i'm looking at the like delving into the to the psyche of of our athletes or our students or our or our players and there's so many programs there's so many books that just look at that that one sole um idea um and obviously they're not always going to be giving you the answers but they they help paint a picture of of what it of what can happen what what can be good what can be bad um so for me it's to answer your question in a in a nutshell would be to to do your own research as best you can and focus on one thing at a time um, rather than trying to, to trying to do too much in a small space of time. And if we're talking, I suppose in um, England, the FA promotes like a plan, do, review model. I've got to be really honest, review is where I slack and I feel like a lot of coaches do as well. Is, um, is reviewing something important to you? And, and if so, how do you, how do you try and do it? Um, so I tend to leave the review until the day after a session. Um, so probably looking at three, four years ago, like you said, reviewing was probably the a poor part of my poor part of my arsenal, and it wasn't until my my fiance at the time, now wife, uh, said to me, 
well as a as a paramedic we've got to do a review after every like critical incident um and she she shared some of her her models of review with me and it kind of hit home how much how important it was to them and I, I was kind of like oh if it's that important to to them who are saving lives that uh, maybe I could at least give it a go um and I know they were put like you said they were pushing it the FA were pushing it and it was something that we should do to try and help develop ourselves but it was always that oh I just want to go home and just think about the next session um so yeah re- review over the last couple of years has become come quite important to me um like I said I'll leave it a day or so to review it because you don't want to go with your immediate feelings and emotions of that session especially if it's gone well or if it's gone bad you're gonna you're always going to review it to the bias of that very moment. Um, so, yeah, a day or so later, I'll sit down, I'll get my book out, um, line it up next to my session, and I'll just actively review each part. So how did I do this? How did I do that? Um, did this go all right? Did that go all right? Um, what were the players like? And try and be, try and be as honest as possible. Um, whether your players were engaged or not, that's, something to work on if you if you can be honest about it and say right there was a period where they didn't look that engaged um there was questions they didn't quite understand it and I'd say for me something that I've had to work on is clearly being able to provide the right information um whether that's talking before a session during a session after a session um having grown up in the in my in my period of time so the 90s and in a small town um we've got our own lingo and you kind of grow up with your own lingo of everyone around you and you kind of talk the way you would talk and people sometimes look at you like well, what what are you on about and you're in your head you're like well there's no other way i can explain it um so that's something that i've i've tried really hard to do better at and that's clearly being able to explain myself and explain my sessions or explain a coaching point so everyone understands and it's making sure that you cover all aspects whether that's visual verbal um so for me again I'm a visual learner so I need to see it taking place um so I make sure I always try and cover at least two of the different ways that that can be can be learned um so yeah that's that's where it's gone for me. And you mentioned being really honest with yourself and review, and you've just been really honest there about things you've been working on. Does it get easier being really honest with yourself about your coaching? Because it's it's hard, you know, it's hard doing it sometimes standing in front of a group of players. If it goes wrong, sometimes it's the worst feeling. And then, you know, thinking about that can be difficult. Yeah. Does that get easier the more you coach? I'd say you get you get even more critical of yourself as you go on. Um, so I wouldn't say it gets easier in the sense that you become better. I'd say it gets easier in the sense that you're happy to criticise yourself more. Um, whether that makes sense or not, I find myself highly critical and I always have been. But there was periods at the start when I'd be like, well, it was definitely them. They didn't understand me, so it, it couldn't have been my fault. Or, or my session was great. I've done it with another team before, so why didn't this team do it, do it as well? Um, yeah, you get to that point with each year and with each experience, and you obviously you, with new people, um, 
new scenarios um you're always going to learn something each time um so it's it's taking a step back and going you know what maybe maybe it wasn't as good or you know what maybe maybe i can do this a little bit better and i'd say yeah it's it's a case of um it becomes easier to criticize yourself and take that on board and not not have your back up and be stubborn to to little changes or little bits of feedback and on that as well do you seek feedback from other coaches or even from your players sometimes to feed that into your development we we tend to have a like an open forum with our players so we always ask them for for feedback whether that's live there at the session or afterwards they they have full confidence to come to any of the coaches and just say look this is what we did like or didn't like um so it is an open forum that's for the for the players especially the younger players and their parents if they want to um you don't necessarily always get feedback back but it's it's there to be utilized if they want to um with regards to other coaches i have um certain coaches that i go to directly for for help and that's that's me that's reached out over the last few years and asked direct people to be mentors for example um so at the end of the day no one's gonna gonna come off come come to you off their own back and go right i'm gonna help you um sometimes you have to go out your comfort zone and go directly to someone and say look are you happy to help me um are you happy to talk through um and i'm really lucky that the the lad that i talk to quite a a lot at the moment's been through a lot of the same personal experiences as me uh, which is initially how we started talking it wasn't even anything to do with football and then we soon realized that we were both into football and then we found out where each of us were and uh yeah kind of and a nice friendship blossomed out of him being my mentor as well so that was that was quite nice well look Dan you've given um I think you've given coaches a lot to go away and think about about how they kind of commit to their learning but as a, as a final question to you where do you hope all of this investment and learning and progress takes you uh at the moment my my end goal is to to work in football full-time professionally um i'm currently in a very privileged position where i'm working with girls full-time on a post-16 education program um and that's that's fantastic probably if i looked back five years ago that would have probably been my end goal just to say i work in football full-time um but now sitting and reviewing i think oh well it it needs to be full-time professionally within an academy, whether it's women's, men's, boys, girls. Um, that's my next step. So doing my my A licence and then maybe one day if if the necessity is there, then maybe the pro licence. But it's waiting to hear back to see if I've got on my A licence, which should be in the next week or so. Um, but obviously I know it's a very um, competitive field to get onto these courses. Um and being in my position at the moment, you're at a crossroads where sometimes the licenses don't match up with jobs and jobs don't match up with licenses. So it's a lot of people are in the same situation. It's just being patient, um, continuing your learning elsewhere. And hopefully further down the line, like I said, it will be a professional football role of some sort. That was the voice of Dan Bratcher. Thanks to Dan for his time and for sharing his story with us. If you want to read Dan's blog, you can access it through his Twitter profile. His handle is at LuckyStreetD. 
DB. Thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. For more from us, join us again next week or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon.